1: So how about doing something today that actually matters while you still can?
0: Hey, welcome back to the SA Weekly Talk Show. Mike Gallant here with special guest Josh Latimer. Um, Josh and I met probably a few years ago at a QDS conference, Quality Driven Software, um, out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I'm a little sweaty, just got off the old uh, golf course, uh, but wanted to make some time because Josh is an absolute rock star. He's got a ton of value to bring here. Um, and I know he's got a very compressed schedule, so we are going to get into it and just drop a knowledge bomb on you guys and girls today. Um, so, a little background on Josh: he owned a pressure washing and um, soft wash business, doing over 180k a month uh, before he sold it. Ended up moving to Costa Rica, uh, turned into basically a le- uh, lifestyle entrepreneur, laptop in hand, and created a quick talk podcast where he's helping other business owners learn from his. Uh, successes and failures along the way to help scale and grow a service business. Also created a product called Send Gym and Radius Bomb, and now lives in Michigan in a uh, something that resembles a medieval castle over by Lake Michigan. So uh, if you have never met Josh, Josh, I'll let you uh, kind of introduce yourself and give some background uh, that I missed, but I um, really appreciate your time and uh, helping the SA community uh, grow and scale their businesses.
1: Well, thank you, Mike. You made me sound way cooler than I actually am. I promise you that's not that cool. We started in a trailer park. I was a pizza delivery guy. I'm still married to my high school sweetheart. We got five kids. I'm just a dad. It's crazy what you can do with a service company when you get the right systems and the right team. And we did have some success, but we had uh, massive pain and suffering along the way as well. As most people watching probably understand, uh, it can be one of the greatest things ever, having a service company, and it can be the hardest thing ever having a service company as well but i appreciate you and hopefully we can drop some knowledge bombs on people
0: absolutely so let's just dive into it uh, i got a couple things that i really want to pick your brain about um here on the SA weekly talk so we start pulling back those layers of that onion or that knowledge and we want to dig into it so first i want to dive into is what are your thoughts on sales and marketing what what things is you're growing your business if, you, if you're just getting into the game or you've been in the game and you really want to start scaling a business um, starting out with sales um and obviously marketing what are your thoughts on that best practices what 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 do we need to be doing in our business to be successful around sales and marketing in your opinion
1: there's so much to talk about with this right so depending on where you are with your company uh it doesn't matter the first thing that you have to understand is that the foundational cornerstone of every single profitable company on the planet is creating a system around sales and marketing that Systems are critical, right? And so maybe you think you know what that word means, or maybe you've read the e-myth, or you follow Jonathan Potosnik, who's amazing, and he talks about systems. And all systems are valid, and you need systems, but the, the foundation needs to be sales and marketing because that is the thing that can fix all the other problems, right? Sales and marketing, and not just sales and marketing, but profitable, luxury, premiumly priced sales and marketing. It's a lot easier to build a company quicker. It's it scale a company quicker. It's easier to build a rockstar team of employees when you have extra margin. And the way to get that is actually maybe not what people think. It's by slowing down, looking at the little itty bitty things, the minutia, the little things you can do in your business that everybody else misses, right? So we do Facebook ads and we do EDDM and we run around like stressed out maniacs and we, we tell our guys, do five rounds, knock on the doors, do it, do it, get it, get it. And that's valid, like the hustle part's valid, but everyone I know that has a larger business, they've taken the time, created space for themselves to push pause and zoom out and look, where am I missing all the opportunities for like low hanging fruit? How can I increase my average ticket? How are we presenting pricing to the customer in a way that is so different and better and unique that they have no choice but to hire us? They have no one to compare us to, even though we're double the price, they feel they feel um, scared to hire the other company. What is that process like? What's it like when you answer the phone? What's the perceived value like? How thick is the literature that you give them, right? What's your voice inflection? What's your follow-up like, right? All of that stuff is inexpensive or free to work on in your business, and it will radically change everything about your business.
0: Wow. And I don't know if I'm just intimidated by the, the podcast Master of Self Live on Facebook or Just the absolute detail that you're looking into so let's just cycle back a little bit um so you dove into a lot of things there in in hitting the pause button is what caught my attention right out the bat so so are you proposing if we're growing we've got a good sized business or maybe that three to hundred three hundred thousand maybe that five hundred thousand dollar mark in business um maybe maybe we take a step back and take a look at the existing process and systems and, and really redefine them because I'm guessing that maybe the systems that got us to that point aren't going to get us to where we need to go. And maybe taking that step back for half a year or a season or whatever that looks like is going to pay dividends down the line and exponential growth in overcoming those hurdles. Is that kind of what you're driving
1: at? A little bit, yeah. But, you know, the problem that I see, I work with a lot of people. I mean, I've had over a thousand individual calls helping small business owners, and I notice these patterns. And typically what small business owners do is they overcomplicate things. Number one, they, we have as entrepreneurs, we have the unique ability to take something simple and turn it into 82 bullet points of complex complexity that we could never even execute on. Right. I have so the, money, <laughs> the money is right in front of you. It's right under your nose. It's in the things that you're already doing, but you're going so fast and you're re, you're reactive instead of proactive. And so, you're not looking or seeing how you're doing the little stuff right now. For example, let's let's talk about what I call the customer life cycle. And all companies have this, okay? So somebody hears about your company somehow, whether it's a referral or they see your truck or they see an ad or whatever. Then they do their first touch with you. Now, the first time they engage with you, whether it's via an email or they text your company or they call you, that's your first opportunity. And we need to go deep on that one little simple thing like, when I answer this phone call, what am I doing different, better, more fun, more over the top? How do I serve people at a higher level? How do I make it easier for people to get what they want, whether it's pricing or to pay their invoice? How, all that stuff that could be in that first phone call, how do we just just destroy anything our competition is doing? And Again, this doesn't cost money. It just it takes creativity. And so you think through that process, okay? That's step one. And then let's say that they require uh, pricing. Well, then how does that work? How easy is it for them to get on the schedule for an estimate? How many hours or days does it take for you to get pricing in their hand? Okay? We need to think about that. Now, you're on the job site. You're looking at their stuff. You're going to give them a quote. Service owners, they're they're like order takers. So they like go to the house, hi, Mr. Jones, here's all you need, the lawn mowed, you need the retaining wall built, here's how many feet it is, burp, 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 I'm a robot, here's your price, please call it. And then they leave and they go to the next one. How do we push pause and really look at the experience that we're creating while we're doing that thing? What can we say that was different? So for the other three quotes that they got, when they look at everything laid out in their kitchen table, they go, you know what? There's just something about mike's company it's just different yeah it's more expensive but it feels like a corvette and these other companies feel like a, a chevy cavalier right and this is done by being intentional on three things little things it's about how you do the estimate how you position yourself give them the pricing right does that make sense like how your packages are different how you're the only company you're the only company in Southeast Texas that offers the, 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 the money back, no questions asked, three-day guarantee of the thing. You're the only company that provides a five-step uh, checklist to guarantee the longevity of the retaining wall. Like, What things can you do that are creatively based to separate yourself from everybody else who's too busy, running around stressed out? They'll, they won't even see you coming. And really, this is how you make your company become a nightmare to compete with. And business is competition, and you need to play to win, to protect your family, to protect your legacy, right? And and this is how you do it. But the little guys running around out there were so reactive that we really don't even have the brain capacity in busy season to stop and think about this
0: stuff. Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more. So kind of creating that executable blueprint of how you're going to go into that next season. Uh, one of the things that I'll share that we found really successful in my service business, Lawn Care up in upstate New York, is uh, going out and doing pre-education. So before the estimate, we're going to overcome those sales and price objections. We're going to create a higher perceived value. We're going to differentiate ourselves. This is the process and the system, the guarantee that we do. Um, and I kind of want to give a shout out a little bit to uh, Service Autopilot Academy, uh, Jonathan Toshnack and John Caldwell, the co-founders there um, that are running that academy now. Uh, one of the things that, without really diving in and, and giving you their trade secrets away, but I know a lot of the members who, who go into Academy, one of the big things is sending out a lead letter. And if you're unfamiliar with a lead letter, it's the five or six reasons why your business is different and differentiates yourself. And most of those Academy members take the time just for the cost of postage to mail out a um, uh, basically a, an envelope, handwritten envelope with this lead letter. And, and I have a feeling at least when I did it myself in our business, uh, when we were still doing in-person estimates, 90% of those people came to the door with that, that lead letter in their hand, and mm-hmm. you were different. There was an emotional connection. I couldn't explain it, but it was something about that piece of paper in their hand that they were ready to buy, and they didn't care if you were 20% higher because you already created that value to overcome those sales objections for that letter. So, um, just awesome, awesome insight, Josh, on that. And um, you, you know, if you're looking, you know, at different groups like that, I think we do things like this podcast and. Uh, different things like Service autopilot Academy. We need to go out and outlearn our competition. So there's no need, in my opinion, to go out and reinvent the wheel. Learning from guys like Josh, the Academy, um, myself to an extent, some things we've been doing. Go out and learn from people who've been there beforehand and overcome these hurdles. And, and I couldn't agree with you more. That that whole process you just ran through it was a game changer when we started to scale from half a million to three quarters to a million and beyond. That that separated us in our market. That was the big change. Um, and things. So once you figure out that sales and marketing, um, we talk a lot about it. The service autopilot regional events where we're casting that digital net, and then we go on to offline marketing to create route density. I know you've got a pretty interesting take on route density and how you propose a service business um, to grow route density. So uh, if you don't mind diving in, can you give us your take on how to create route density and um, in, in what has been successful yourself and the other businesses you've worked with in the past.
1: Alright, I'm excited about this. So I, I want to lay a little bit of a foundation here that's going to be really helpful for people that watch this. Number one is that, you know, the really, the correct way to really do sales and marketing is to have a plan before the season starts, number one. And there's this thing, if you look at your historical revenue, right? There's this revenue curve, right? Or if you're in a lawn mowing business and it's weekly, you might have kind of a flat, consistent line during the mowing season, but you still have a curve when people buy the most. So you sell your stuff in March, April, May, in a disproportionate amount than you do in August, September, October, let's say. Right? So when we understand that curve, what it does is the data that that gives us, it tells us when we should do one of two things when we should invest our time on sales and marketing or when we should invest money on sales and marketing. So this is what typically happens where people screw it up. And, why, and it breaks my heart because I have five kids, man. Have, small business is awesome. Small business can cause a divorce. It can ruin your life or it can be the greatest thing ever to watch their kids, to watch their dad go create something, to build something. But it's a big deal that you understand these foundational things. So here's what people do. They get really busy in the spring. They make a whole bunch of money. They're not really intentional about their money. That's a different conversation. And then they have money, but then it starts to fall off. They panic. They take all the money they made and they throw it at stuff like Facebook and direct mail and AdWords. They go crazy and they spend all their money, but they're spending it uh, uh, against the natural trend in their market of when people buy that stuff. So they're doing it backwards. They're marketing when people don't want to buy the stuff and they're not marketing when they're busy and that causes problems, right? So that's number one, because money is not just going to fix everything. There's massive, massive low-hanging fruit that you need to go harvest before we even worry about doing paid marketing, which is going to lead to route density here in a second. Um, you want to make sure you're 10xing your referrals because you're asking for it six or seven times throughout the customer life cycle. You want to make sure that like, you're doing all those perceived value things so that when your price is 63% higher than the other guy, they still have no choice but to hire you because it's so insanely amazing and you're the core vet, right? So assuming you're doing that, Now we can talk about route density. Route density has to do with you becoming a nightmare to compete with. It has to do with you creating what I call pockets and clusters of ravenously loyal uh, customers that all live by each other. And it starts with one customer that you serve at a high level, that you do the right thing for when no one's looking, that you have massive integrity with, you play the long game, and you over-deliver to them every step of the way, okay? That's step one. Step two, is to be strategic and tactical and intelligent about marketing to all the neighbors in that neighborhood consistently, not a one-off. You don't put one door hanger and just hope for the best, but you're hitting them every week. Boom, 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 boom. And then when you start doing that, you're going to get another two customers and then you're going to get a third and a fourth and a fifth down the street because they talked at the neighborhood barbecue, right? As that starts to happen and you get traction in these exclusive communities, uh, really good stuff happens. Route density You know, I know it's a buzzword in the lawn care industry, but, you know, there's efficiencies There's, you know, it's just it just makes more sense. You start to dominate a neighborhood. Your truck is in and out so often that people don't even consider other people to call. Right. So the little new guy that's coming in and trying to knock doors and get your business is totally screwed. If he writes his little price in the back of a business card and sticks it on the door and he's lowballing, he's screwed because you're the company that has a high perceived value. Your trucks are in and out of there. All the neighbors are talking about you. You have a profitable large business that you can actually pay your staff more money and they're happier and they like their job. They have a living wage. They're not turning over employees as much, right? Like all of it ties together, but it's so much harder to do this stuff if you skip the low-hanging fruit part of it. The how do I get more referrals? How do I make my customers love us? Not like us, not transact with us, but have a relationship with us. How do I get my customers to marry my company instead of date my company? You know? All this stuff might sound cheesy, but I promise you, I promise you, this is the path. This is the path. And another thing that people might find interesting is how much easier it is. Now, it's still tricky, but it's easier to run a large company that's at scale than it is to run that two or $300,000 company. That is a nightmarish spot to be. And people get stuck there for 15 years. And they get stuck there because they don't understand the stuff that we're talking about now. They're losing customers for everyone they're getting. They flatline. It's over. The way to break that is to look at all the little details, the low-hanging fruit, way over-serve your customers, raise your prices, use that margin to invest in scale, build a bigger team, and you'll create the freedom that you wanted or thought you would get in the first place.
0: Yeah, and I can't agree with you more. Every time we talk to people uh, every week, it seems like, you know, I don't want this big business because it's going to be a huge headache. But uh, once you hit that I said $750 million mark, Things kind of loosen up. You're working as Michael Gerber would say on the business, not in the business and things just seem to get a little bit easier with scale. Um, but if you're listening, I think there's just some key takeaways here that uh, when Josh is talking about this, it's not a one and done. Um, I think the first key point that I, I, I'm learning from this um, and I can resonate in my own business through the last 24 years is paying attention to when uh, people are buying. So when that first weed pops up in the lawn care industry. Um, and that's the pain point. People are seeing it. That's when we need to hit. So in the in the Northeast, obviously, the area of the company is different. But when you're basically Memorial Day, somebody switches that that faucet, turns it off. It doesn't matter if you dump a hundred thousand dollars a month into marketing. It's not going to be as profitable. And you're not going to have a as good return if you if you do it the first two three months of that season when there's that pain point. Um, and, and that's when you need to really double down on the marketing. And I think if I'm listening to Josh, that's when. Not only are you going to double down on it, but you're going to consistently back it up with nine rounds, direct mailing, different, different tactics to go in and then own and monopolize yeah. a neighborhood. Well, I, I, yeah, I what, what,
1: you want to basically create a shock and awe campaign at the right time in the revenue curve to completely overwhelm your ideal customers. And yet, look, people don't do this because they're scared. I already know what the objection is right now. People are saying, well, look, man, we can't, we don't have any more capacity. Like we're maxed out. That doesn't matter. The idea here isn't just more customers. It's more profitability. So what you do is as you start to shock and awe and you're doing multi-channel marketing, yes, you're geo-targeting the Facebook you know, ad around that thing. You have yard signs everywhere. You're hitting them with some direct mail. You're doing door hangers, whatever, multi-channel. You're hitting it hard during the busiest time. The way that you control your profitability is by using prices um, to benefit yourself. So this is what you do. Let's say that you're scared to market because you're already overwhelmed. First of all, stop thinking like that. And here's what you do. You take and you raise your prices. You raise your prices after you do all the other stuff I said earlier where you have massive perceived value. Answer the phone on the first or second ring. You get pricing to people fast. You get your team obsessed with service and creating raving fans, right? And you you raise your prices significantly. Now, your your close rate is going to go down, but it doesn't matter because for every high-dollar profitable account we get, we're going to be able to fire one of the the loser accounts that we have. And so we can replace and we cycle out the dead wood in our business with the more profitable stuff. Right? So you can control, like, would you wrap, a lot of people could double their business without even doing paid marketing just by manipulating prices, understanding perceived value, better, doing a better job at upselling people, doing a better job at keeping employees longer by being a better leader. Like there's little things you can do. Um, but if you're going to work really hard all year, why not make double the profit that you made last year, even if you did the same revenue? It just makes more sense because now you have control going into the next year. You have options, you have cash, right? You're not in starvation mode all the time. But we just become order takers and we don't look at, we don't understand this stuff and we just keep doing the same thing over and 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 over. The season's over, you have way less money than you thought, and you're like, what the heck? So then you go on Facebook and you ask a question, and 600 people give you really bad advice because they have a worse business than you. That's what happened.
0: <laughs> oh, <I> mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, 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 some of those Facebook responses absolutely kill me. But I guess, um, you know, hey, if, if we're going out and we're not going to care, we're going to just throw our, our, our cares to the wind and we're going to scale this business. Uh, one of the hottest topics right now is how do we find employees? How do we recruit employees? Um, so if I'm going to go out and just aimlessly go out and scale this business, Josh, I'd ask you What would your approach to be going out and finding, recruiting, training, onboarding these rockstar employees that are going to provide this higher perceived value service uh, when we're scaling out that quick? What's your insight?
1: You get me excited now. So I might say some things that will make people instantly hate me and not like me and be like, you don't know anything, Josh, you dummy. Okay, so that's my disclaimer. But here's what it is. Step number one, be an employer worth working for. Step number one, actually be someone that is worth working for, okay? Here's what, that, what I mean by that. Don't offer people pay. Offer them compensation packages. Be really creative in the way that you describe your job offering. People do it wrong. you got to understand that marketing doesn't stop with your customers. When you are a leader of a company, you, by definition, are a marketer to your team. You are the guy inspiring them. You're, 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 you're dictating the narrative. You're driving the conversation one way or the other. You're leading people, right? And so most people don't operate like that. Here, here's what they do. They go on Craigslist. They type a thing, labor job, $12 an hour, must be drug-free, and they throw a phone number in, right? That doesn't work. That doesn't work. You have to use a little bit more brain power, and especially today's day and age with the way millennials are, the way that the economy is crushing right now, right? So there's not there's everybody's got a job like it's hard right. So you got to craft a a compensation package, a company culture. You have to have a a brand personality. You yourself as a leader have to have a personality that's edgy and different and exciting, right? And you got to figure out how to sell your job position to really good A players. Another piece of it that people miss is they don't recruit. Now my company actively recruited year round, regardless if we were hiring. One of the biggest tips I can give you is to ha- have like a marketing funnel that never turns off for your for your position. Because when you have a key employee quit on you because they totally screwed you over, which happens, it's like a cliff. It's like your, bit, your, your season is screwed, right? Especially if you're small. You're never going to have a perfectly flat, perfect rainbow, unicorn, magical fairy dust situation with employees. But instead of a cliff, you can turn it into a speed bump, Right. And you do that by having a, a stack of papers on your desk of rock star A players who are drooling to work at your company because it's so fun. It's different. The pay structure is weird and amazing. There's more upside. The culture is strong. Right. They're working outside like you've done a good job selling the benefit of it. It's way better than other, any other labor job that they would get. And they know that it's better. Um, and you do that by becoming a marketer.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree anymore. So in our company and I've talked about it before, we recruit every Monday, Wednesday and Friday for every position in the company, including my own. Uh, I use the analogy of a sports team. We're stacking events. So if the guys and the girls on the field aren't producing, we've got people on the bench to replace them. And then if we go out and hit that springtime rush, we've got a qualified labor pool. That's going to hopefully avoid hiring the first person through that door with that pause. Um, and, and I'll be honest, that's, that's the biggest mistake we made in scaling our business. We hired that first person through the door Hit on it. The millennials now are just different cats. Uh, once you hit their general needs, that the necessities they need, money is not the, the overall motivator. It has to be a lifestyle thing. And they want more. They want to. They want to adhere to your culture, your values, your vision. And as the leader, you need to be portraying that vision and living it day in day out. And I don't know if you got into your kid's sugar today or what, but I'm ready to follow you to the depths of the earth because I mean you are just crazy full of energy over there. Well, let me me give you some examples,
1: too. (laughs) First of all, everything I know and I've learned is because someone smarter than me taught it to me somewhere along the way, right? And we're all standing on the shoulders of giants, so to speak, to be cheesy, but it's true. But here's the difference. I execute on stuff. I implement stuff. Now, I do it very imperfectly. I fall on my face a lot, okay? But it doesn't matter. I have a T-shirt that says Massive Imperfect Action. And when you are just reacting to the phone d- dinging and you're just being an order taker and you never push pause to like really consider this stuff and take imperfect action to make it change or pivot, you're, you're screwed. You have to be an implementer. It does, perfection is fake. It's a fantasy. It doesn't exist. Okay. Imperfect action. Number one. The other thing, like uh, a practical example is, you know, I, I care about people like for real. I really do. And that gives me a competitive advantage. I'm not chasing money so I can buy 16 jet skis. I'm trying to build something externally for my customers and internally for my team where everybody wins. And because that's authentic, people can feel that. They can pick up on it. And your business isn't just about you. You can change your whole community. You can get take former drug addicts and turn their whole life around, and then they get married, or they buy their first house. These kids that work for you, they look up to you. They pay off their credit card debt, pay off their student loan debt. They're going to actually have someone who's a big visionary dreamer like you, and they didn't even have a dad growing up, and they've never even been around somebody that thinks that big. So that's how I view small business. It's like it gets me emotional. It's a big freaking giant deal. And uh, I work with my team, even at Send Jim. I have a graphic designer named Mariah. Mariah's super talented. And when I hired her, it was very obvious quickly. One of those.
0: We lost you for a second there. Come back. Yeah. <laughs> her name wouldn't be Mariah Carey, would it? No. <laughs>
1: but uh, Mariah didn't. She came from a poverty mindset family, uh, didn't have as much self confidence as she should have based on her skill set. And she just didn't have a lot going on. I gave her a full-time job. She was excited. I said, Mariah, what, what would like change your world this year? What would be awesome for you? And we talked, and she basically said, you know, just making more money. You know, we have debt. We want to do some things. She's got a few kids. And I said, how much money extra this year, if you made X amount of dollars extra this year, would just be, like, radically life-changing for you? And she's, we, we arrived at the number $10,000 in addition to her full-time salary with me. I said, all right, let's do that. Let's reverse engineer that. You will make an extra ten thousand dollars this year on the side. I'm gonna help you do it. And she believed it was impossible. She's like, okay, we built a plan. We built up a little moonlighting side hustle for her, built a funnel for her, got her confidence. I helped her with her pricing and her scripting and how to get customers to do design work. And and she has almost already made ten thousand dollars and it's not only a little over half the way through the year. Her life's changed. She comes to work on fire. She will go to war for me. Her life has changed. All I did was let her borrow my confidence, borrow my certainty that this was an achievable thing. I have another guy, one of my sales guys, Cooper. He's 20 years old. He's a rock star. Cooper, his life goal isn't to work for me at Send Jim. His life goal is to be a real estate investor. One year ago, right from right now, I talked to Cooper. I said, Cooper, what do you want to do? He said, I want to own rental properties. I said, what are we doing to move towards that goal? He's like, I don't really know where to start. I said, here's what we do. We built a plan. He had no credit, right? He just never had credit. We built his whole credit over this year. I said, you need to open three trade lines. You need revolving credit, installment loans, and we got to do this and that. And boom, and he went and did it and he did that. And I had him get a secured loan and and, and we got that. His credit's over 700. I said, you need $20,000 as a down payment because you need a 20% down to do a commercial property, all this stuff. And so long story short, as we sit right now, as I'm talking to you, he has over $20,000 in the bank. He's pre-qualified with a mortgage company, and his credit's ready to go. And he's shopping for his first investment property at 20 years old. And what do you think that does for my company to have someone like him talking to my customers, right?
0: He, he's, ble- he's bleeding, bleeding, Diane, send Jim, and and, it, it, and I don't. And Josh, I don't know if you've caught it, and anybody watching live or recorded. Uh, what are the episodes you want to look back? I think it's about two, maybe three episodes previous. We had Dan Relfs, the Dream Manager, on. Um, if you haven't read the book, The Dream Manager, really, really uh I I, w- I would suggest it. But this is exact conversation we had for 45, 50 minutes with Dan Realms. He was the uh, ex-dream manager at InfusionSoft. Soft. He was there when they were at a couple million bitty, to a hundred million. And wow. his whole job was to literally do exactly what you're doing, Josh. And if you've ever been to service autopilot or in Um, they have this kind of infectious culture that you're talking about. And it's like somebody drank the purple juice. I mean, it's almost cultish. Um, And this is exactly what you're talking about. And you're you're going out and saying, okay, Mariah may not be with us forever, but how can I align her goals and her personal needs with my company's goals and get her to give the most she possibly can give and give the best customer experience while getting her to that goal? And, And what we're finding is we're getting a good three to five five years out of these guys and girls in my, my company kind of doing the same thing where we'd be lucky to get a season out. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. So no longer is it a 12 dollar an hour job that you can get a suntan and take your shirt off and do whatever you want to do as a part-time summer job that doesn't fly anymore. That's not the appeal. It's how can you help me get to where I want to go? And alongside that employees aligned with you. And, And it's about giving that employee the path and the means to, achieve their goals. As long as they're not becoming a direct competitor because you're the best at Send Gym or the best lawn care or the best home cleaning company, well, we've got that solution. But if, if it's not to become a direct competitor of my business, I just like you said, like we, we're trying to help these guys and girls buy homes, pay off student debt, whatever it is, maybe it's just a little flex time to get home with the kids and pick them up from daycare. That's what their driving thing is, is business owners, I I strongly, strongly feel at this point we have to be that person that visionary that cares about our team. We're going to create such wild loyalty that they're going to follow us to the end of the earth and do whatever it takes to make sure our customers are happy while we're making money. So if you're listening is in watching what Josh is doing, listen to the detail and the concern that this guy is thinking about and how he's flipping that mindset. It's not about what you can do for me. How can I do something for you? Align your goals with the company and we're going to scale it out and be successful together. Um, dude, just amazing. Mind blown. Like. This has got to be one of the, one of the, the best things. And I'm glad I'm not in my car today, but I kind of feel left out. We should have ran uh, back and forth out of the vehicle. So,
1: Well, you you mentioned the Kool-Aid. You mentioned the, the purple Kool-Aid. I think the biggest takeaway maybe for people watching this is that you have to be the one to drink the Kool-Aid first. And I have talked to a lot of people who are beaten up. They're beaten down. Their expectations have been long shattered with what's possible with their business. They're a little bit... Um, just kind of negative about where they're at and you are kidding yourself if you don't think that just radiates out of you around your team and you are the tip of the spear man and you got to get excited about your business again you got to cut the negative relationships out of your life you got to get excited and imperfectly start trying to get more excited and and you got to drink the kool-aid on the vision first or it's not gonna work
0: awesome we've got another touch point or two here and I know you've got a condensed schedule but I I guess and i think we'd be fooling anybody and be very disingenuous at least myself that i haven't been in those ruts and i probably haven't portrayed the right attitude um and, and as business owners it's just it's a lonely place i mean you're gonna have your up and downs and hopefully it's not extreme top to bottom um, i mean especially especially after my divorce uh, you know 10 15 years ago uh, we had some rock bottom places emotionally personally and physically in the business um because i wasn't paying attention to it what would be your suggestion is as maybe even to myself if i was reliving that time in my life how do you reinvent yourself and get back to basics to be positive because i'll tell you it took me two to three years to to rebound to be able to be that visionary leader that i wanted to be and i've always have been do you have any input on that or is that just something each person's got to do differently but i know that was a tough time and i know a lot of guys and girls i talk to whether it's home cleaning lawn care uh pressure soft wash that We all hit these downturns and maybe not that rock bottom. How do we stay positive, at least, and be that visionary in our business when we hit those tough spots?
1: Well, sometimes, Mike, to shoot a bow and arrow, if you have a bow and arrow to shoot the arrow, the first thing you have to do is pull it back, okay? And sometimes we're obsessed with growth for growth's sake. So I think, number one, give yourself permission to fail. Give yourself permission to have a year that sucked and didn't meet your expectations. It's not Mount Everest, okay? It's fixable, solvable, repairable. We can get to it. But sometimes people need to just pump the brakes, cut out all the noise, stop going on Facebook four hours a day and obsessing over every tactic. If you're feeling that anxiety and that pressure and things are out of whack, pull back, chill out, chill out, think, Give yourself some space to think that can be one of the smartest investments you make, man. You have to be creative to run and build a business. You can't be creative when there's so much pressure and noise around you. Stress pressure, financial pressure, relationship pressure, negativity, bad relationships. Maybe there's two employees that you know you should have fired two years ago, but you don't got the guts to do it because you're scared of how it will affect your business. Pull the pin and the grenade. Take a step back before you worry about going forward. Sometimes you got to reset, you know, we're doing restructuring at my company. Send Jim is grown really fast, right? right? So we had this app and we were only doing a couple hundred thousand in revenue in 2016, just kind of getting started. We five it to like 1.2 million last year. We're going to more than double it this year. And that puts a lot of pressure on the business. And so I've had to do the same thing right now. I'm still learning. And so we're a seven figure business. It's not all fancy pants, anything. It's stressful. So I've like restructured my team. I've cut expenses. We cut like $50,000 in expenses in the last month to breathe and think and relax and to get our forward momentum strategy in place. And so (laughs) I'm not just giving you the advice. That's what I'm doing right now.
0: Yep. No, and I I, I appreciate your candidacy. And and I guess I'll share too. I mean, we're doing the same thing at Simple Growth. We we scaled by 147% year to date from last year. Um, I think the benefit is if you and I and we're surrounded by people that have been there and done that before so it, we're starting to see those issues before they become big issues and we're proactively approaching them so really good approach and uh, you know kind of back to the uh, the bow there um, you're like our Tony, business
1: Tony Robbins says this amazing quote he says you know most people underestimate what they can accomplish in ten years but they overestimate what they can accomplish in one year and You know, the way that you become a slave to your company is to not listen to those stress feelings, the pressure and noise, and to just keep pushing harder. It's like banging your head against the wall harder instead of stop banging your head against the wall, shrink the size of your business on purpose, look around, catch your breath, think, get creative, get a new strategy where there is no wall over here, and then start walking that way, right? But it's like we feel like we're failing if we do that. That's
0: insane. That's, that's the past. That's how you do it. Awesome. And I know, you know, obviously your time is pretty precious here, so I appreciate you spending some time. I know one of the lessons you wanted to hit on with uh, automations, buying back your time, systemizing your business, and maybe not having to grow that staff as big because we're going to replicate and create systems that automatically have to create predictable workflows and systems. Um, so kind of take, I'm kind of curious your take on automations where they're at now, where you see them going in the future, where does that fit into a stage one or two business all the way up to someone trying to break a million and beyond uh, is there different approaches we should be taking. And, and where does that all play into the business landscape right now? Cause that seems to be one of the biggest buzzwords right now is automation, whether it's software automation as far as CRMs or something as crazy as automating people, even in the lawn care industry uh, with automated lawnmowers. Um, so I mean, different takes on wow. it different places, but what's your spin on all that and where do you see it going in the future
1: this is a big topic and i'm just going to be really authentic and truthful and so speaking first of all to the really small companies the little guys fighting the good fight they have the dream right here's the problem is that we overspend on automation before we've even done anything ourselves there's massive value in you doing fog marketing boots on the ground shaking hands kissing babies understanding your value uh, proposition understanding how to pitch yourself and your service getting people to know, like, and trust you for real with your boost on in real life. You can't automate your way into just making a gajillion dollars. You have to understand the inner workings of your company. And there's not really a shortcut to do it. You can do it quick, but people try to just throw money at software, including mine, hoping that it will save the day. It doesn't work. You have to be strategic. So software is like a a time and money multiplier, and it, you can use it to leverage more time for yourself or leverage more space or money for yourself. But you got to have, like, some understanding of what you're doing. You can't do everything at the same time. So ho- hopefully that makes sense or is helpful. But uh, there's massive consolidation happening in technology. There's a, a API. That API is the name of the game. There's, there's integrations and consolidation. Like, you can use this one software, and it talks to this one, it talks to that one, and that one. And it's amazing. It's almost overwhelming for people because uh, they don't know where to start, right? Uh, but it 's powerful it 's powerful because a lot of the things you can automate are the things that you know you should do, but you 're not doing because you 're overwhelmed and busy, like following up with your customers, sending them a Christmas gift, sending someone some uh, a physical gift in the mail with a thank you card when they spent over five hundred dollars with you. These are great ideas that people almost never implement or execute on because doing it manually is a giant pain in the butt. Tools like what we have at Send gym make it like ridiculously stupidly simple and there's value in it um you know but at the same time there's value in like doing one thing at a time you know get your sales systems in order get your follow-up systems first you know then you can get into maybe some marketing systems or um uh, that are a little bit more advanced but you know I, I hate i hate watching people get in way over their head doing way too many things they're trying to do adwords themselves facebook themselves they're doing direct mail they're throwing E they're doing all this stuff And it's it's kind of a mess. You know, do the foundational stuff first, which is all about protecting your company's biggest asset, which is your current book of business. Make sure that they're engaged, you're top of mind, you're following up with them, you're loving on them, you're asking for referrals from them. Make sure that's happening with automation first, that you're reminding them when they're due for the next thing six months later. That's like your foundational stuff. Then start worrying about like cold traffic, cold prospects and, and converting them that way.
0: Wow, great, great insight. I couldn't agree with you more. And it, it, automation and you know, some of the products and certified advisors and different combinations you own are, are, not, are not the band aid that's going to fix that bleeding back. I mean, you, need, you need to be qualified. I think you need to be at the right stage. And some of the stuff you just you need to understand how it actually works and understand your market and, and, and have that manual process down. And then we automate it. You don't want to automate the whole entire business right off the bat. Um, and I think there's different parts of those automations that fit in depending on what size of your business you are to fix those growth scales and those pain points along the way. And then so, can
1: someone like there. John, someone like you, Mike, or someone like Jonathan Potoschnik, if they were to start a new company in a new market, they could automate it day one. But it's because they've already cycled, they've built the whole thing, they understand with complete detail all the inner workings of an entire company from a financial perspective to a labor perspective to a marketing perspective to the deliverable and the technical side. But the problem is if you haven't actually built a a multi-million dollar business that's successful and profitable and you can step away from, you're just going to get like all confused and walk down roads that won't work and you're going to waste money. When really if you just need to laser focus on going from here to here. Once you're here, there's one job. Get to here. Once you're there, you have one single job in the whole universe every day. it's Your only function is to get from here to here, right? But we spend time fantasizing about way over there but we didn't even get to right here first. And so they got to have patience, man. It takes a minute to do this. It takes a minute to actually be a CEO and to know what's happening with your company.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, a lot of people are looking at, you know, with a lot of people doing it, a lot of people think that, that, that what we did is an overnight success. Well, it's a 24 year overnight success. <laughs> we had to go through the scrolling things. We had to figure out what worked, didn't work and then build an executable blueprint and actually build it out. And I think you hit on it earlier in, you're never going to have perfection. I think that's the biggest issue I see with with a lot of business owners trying to grow a scale of business is a uh, first draft is better than no draft. And if you're going to wait for perfection, everybody, including your competitors, is going to be past you by the time you almost get to perfection. So um, I think you really need to get those drafts out there, whether it's marketing campaigns, nine rounds, direct mailing, whatever it is, like make it the best it can, but get it out there in the time when it matters and see what works and track it. Um, I'm not even talking 80 split test marketing, but literally lead source. Was it a direct mailing? Was it something from send Jim? What was it? How many people called on it and how did it convert? And then the next year you can double down on the things that work and tweak the other things that didn't work. Um, but unless we get out there and actually try it, we don't know because everybody's markets is different. And what works for me, Josh is probably not going to work out right outside your medieval castle in Michigan. So um, <laughs> you, you can't go out these Facebook groups and figure out like I'm going to charge whatever Joe and, you know, Mississippi is charging because it, it's not, it's not applicable. Um, I mean, my cost to get a truck out could be close to $60,000 in Northeast, where somebody out in Texas, you put a whole rig out for eight to 10 grand with a used vehicle. Um, it's just not a fair comparison. So I think that you, you want to go out and learn from these people that have been there and done that. But you also, like you said, you want to get your boots on and figure out what works for you and your market, and create that credibility. So, um, just really, really appreciate everything today, amazing stuff. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, if you're watching them live, you want an- to want us to answer them as we're wrapping up, we're happy to get them. Otherwise, Josh and I are going to be watching the feed here over the next few days to answer any questions you can stick on there. Um, we got a couple of the huge, heavy, heavy international and national hitters coming up on the ASSEE weekly talk show uh, that we will be announcing. Uh, Mark J. Kohler, accountant slash lawyer, uh, couldn't make it this week, uh, but he will be on in the next few weeks dropping some estate planning, tax planning, and you name it. Um, And just some other big, big hitters like Josh. So Josh, can't thank you enough for your time. Um, And not to be selfish here, you you gave everything in your head. You shared some emotional things. If people are interested in reaching out to you or learning about Send Jim, Radius Bomb, or anything else you do, how can they get a hold of you?
1: Just send me a handwritten letter with calligraphy font with a quill pen and mail it to me. And then I will handwrite a letter back. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You can... You can just find me on Facebook, or you can go if you want. If you're interested in our software, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. It has a free trial. It's No big deal. You should check it out. Uh, it's sendjim.com or hit me up on Facebook. I'll do. I do the very best I can to respond to everybody that I can. Uh, and look, my heart goes out to everybody out there fighting the good fight, and keep fighting the good fight, and and take massive imperfect action. Remember that version done is better than version none, right? Is there any more like one-liners I can think of to like be motivational? I don't know. I just, I love you guys. You guys are changing the world. The United States runs on your back and you guys are crushing it. Thanks, Mike.
0: Love it. Mike Callahan in New York, Josh in uh, Michigan. And uh, we just want to send a quick shout out to Marvin, Keith, Steve, Jason, Nick, longtime viewer, David Long, Chris Baker, and everybody else, including Eric has been watching the SA Weekly Talk Show. We'll see you next week, either Wednesday or Thursday, 3 Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. Until next time, um, drop those comments and questions below, and Josh and I will get back and uh, answer Josh, thanks a lot, man. Can't say enough.
1: Thanks, brother